From CPRI and the CPRI Knowledge Hub, this is Research Minutes, a weekly look at new and important research in education. Today, we look at math tracking, widely used in American schools to group students according to academic need and ability. Recent research, however, finds that tracking can have unintended and lasting consequences for some students. What happens is that, you know, when you track a student into a certain type of course or program, it really determines how far they'll get in math and the type of content they'll be exposed to. We welcome UNLV's Frederick No and USC's David Velasquez, co-authors of a new study examining the backgrounds, demographics, and academic progress of tens of thousands of students seeking to understand the relationship between race, ethnicity, tracking, and course-taking behavior. They join us to discuss their findings. About 92% of the students that enrolled, they repeated a level of math that they had retaken, and at least 53% of them had repeated a course at least three times. When we looked by racial groups, we noticed that for Latino and Black students, this was more likely the case. And some potential implications for policy, practice, and future research. I think the main implication for policymakers and school leaders here is can we improve alignment between the two systems so that we don't have this problem where students are kind of being pushed back in terms of their educational progress. That's right now on Research Minutes. Welcome to Research Minutes. I'm Keith U. Miller, Managing Editor of the CPRI Knowledge Hub. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Frederick No, Assistant Professor of Higher Education at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Uh, welcome, Frederick. Thank you, Keith. Thanks for having me. And we're also speaking with David Velasquez, Research Assistant at the Puglia Center for Higher Education and a Gates Millennium Scholar in the Urban Education Policy PhD program at USC, at USC Rossier School of Education. Thanks for joining us, David. Thank you, Keith. Happy to be here. So today we're discussing your new study, which was recently published in Urban Education titled Inside the Math Trap, Chronic Math Tracking from High School to Community College. Um, it takes a comprehensive look at the relationship between math tracking, course taking behavior and the race and ethnicity of students in high school and proceeding on to higher education. But to start, for those who may not be familiar, Federer, could you just explain what math tracking is and how prevalent it is here in the U.S.? Sure. So tracking or ability grouping is a strategy commonly used in education to really make it easier for teachers to target interventions uh, largely based on uh, students' academic needs. We see it at all levels of education and in different subjects, but especially in math. I think we're familiar with the tradition of sorting students into various math tracks, such as honors courses, AP courses, other advanced math courses. And what happens is that, you know, when you track a student into a certain type of course or program, it really determines how far they'll get in math and the type of content they'll be exposed to. Math tracking means that different students will have access to different types of curriculum and educational experiences, different types of instruction, even different quality of teachers. 
And we also know from the literature that math tracking affects the types of peers that a student has access to. And so um, it really shapes the educational and even social experience of students. Finally, we also know from the research that there's huge inequalities in terms of access to these different educational experiences and opportunities stratified by race and class. In math, for example, we know that advanced math courses tend to be populated by white and Asian students and and students from higher SES backgrounds. So it's really this mix of educational inequality meets social inequality, and that all has implications for academic experiences. In um, higher education, I think a real clear example of tracking is in the system of developmental education in community colleges. And these are the below college level courses that students get placed into when they enroll in community college. And so we've been studying developmental education in community colleges for some time. And one of the things that is really true across the country is that large numbers of students start their college careers in developmental or remedial math courses. So nationally, it's about 70%. And where most of our work is done in California, it's upwards of 80 to 90%. We don't really think about this as like tracking in higher education sometimes, but that's essentially what it is. Depending on where students get placed, they're on that track for several semesters or even years because they have to take two, three, or four courses before they can even enroll in a college-level math course. Uh, what was it that drew you to, to this study? Did you have specific questions about math tracking or were there holes in the literature that you were trying to fill in? Yeah, so in reviewing the data we have from um, the California Community College System, you know, when you have over half of students starting community college in elementary algebra, like the algebra one level or below, you have to wonder, you know, how does this line up with high school math? course taking. Are all these students who are placed in these lower levels of math, are they supposed to be there? What was their prior experience in high school? What were the math courses that they had taken in high school and how did they do in them? And so I think our our real interest was in linking up the experience of high school math course taking with the experience of community college math course taking to take like this longer term intersector view of student experience of math. And so with support from the National Science Foundation for a study on developmental education, we were able to link up student transcripts. So we had um, student transcripts from community college, and then we were able to link it up to their high school records. And so with that, we realized we could look at course-taking experiences over this span of time. We also are interested in community colleges just because Um, students of color in higher education are more likely to enroll in community colleges than four-year institutions, even after controlling for academic background. So there is this, you know, racialized component to this experience of math course-taking across these two sectors. This week's episode of Research Minutes is supported in part by EdChoice. EdChoice is a nonpartisan, nonprofit group committed to researching and teaching people about school choice across America. You can be the first to learn about their new research, 
cool school spotlights and state policy updates by subscribing to their podcast, Ed Choice Chats. They post weekly and most episodes are under 30 minutes, which is great if you're short on time. You can also follow them on social media at EdChoice. Finally, check out their website, edchoice.org, for everything you need to know about educational choice, properly sourced and cited. And now we return to our interview with Frederick No and David Velasquez. And so, David, uh, I'm curious how you went about trying to answer those questions. Could you just give us a little bit of an overview of the, the scope and your approach to this work? Yeah, so Frederick mentioned that we use data from a high school district and a local community college district. And in our data set, we had about 80,000 students that uh, started at the community college between uh, 2005 and 2014. And, and we were able to look at their background characteristics, so things like race, gender, whether they were in special education, if they were English learners, things like that. And we were also able to look at the courses that they took. So th- this was really unique um, in that we were able to see what what was their course taking experience like in high school and how did it continue into community college and through community college. And in essence, we, we did a sequence analysis and a regression analysis. And what that meant is just we looked at what what was the sequence of classes that they took. And we were interested in three key things uh, that we called math mobility, math repetition, and finally math traps. So math mobility was just, are students progressing? Are they moving forward? Um, Math repetition, uh, pretty self-explanatory. Were they retaking classes that they had already taken previously? And then finally, math traps, which was inspired from the economist term of poverty traps that really talks about when the household just doesn't have the enough resources to ever be able to get out of poverty. And in this case, it was the math trap was students were never able to reach their highest level of math taken in high school ever again once they got to community college. And following that work, uh, you both came away with some significant findings, including that nearly half of the students in your study found themselves in what you refer to as math traps. So could you just walk us through a little bit? Uh, what did you learn? So even though some of the students... Um, did have forward progress and they they did show this math mobility, most of them didn't. So about 92% of the students that enrolled, they repeated a level of math that they had retaken. And at least 53% of them had repeated a course at least three times. Um, And we found that nearly half of them, about 48%, never ever reached the highest level of math course that they had taken in high school. And we also looked deeper into this and said, okay, so what does this mean for different racial groups? And um, when we looked by racial groups, we noticed that for Latino and black students, this was more likely the case that they were experiencing repetition, they were experiencing math traps and a, a lack of mobility. Even after we controlled for um, student academic backgrounds, so we, we compared uh, students of other races who had similar backgrounds and, and students of color were experiencing these negative experiences more so than their peers. Frederick, tracking in general has become quite the controversial practice in American education in recent years. I'm curious what you think the implications of this study might be. What do you think policymakers, school leaders, and others can take away 
from this work? Yeah, so I think I think it should be concerning to us, right, that almost half of the students in our study, at least, really did not move forward in their educational experience, in math at least, when they attended community college. So these are students who, you know, had taken Algebra 2, Advanced Algebra, Trigonometry, Pre-Calculus, even in high school, and had gotten to that level. But then once they enrolled in community college, they never really made it back to that level or past that level, right? And so to me, and both David and I formerly taught high school math, and this is kind of where of our, some of our motivation for the paper came from, who is getting access to new and different experiences of math? Who is getting to learn new things and exposure to new content? And, and so I think the main implication for policymakers and school leaders here is how can we sort of provide a, some like support in this transition to college, right? From high school to community college. Can we improve alignment between the two systems so that we don't have this problem where students are kind of being pushed back in terms of their educational progress? And so I think some practical things would be to in, improve data systems between high schools and local community colleges, get local school districts and the feeder community colleges to have conversations about curriculum and standards and what the criteria are for moving forward so that it's not just a college deciding what the standard is and having it be very disconnected from what high schools are doing. I think these kinds of conversations and collaborations can um, improve alignment between the two systems and prevent these traps and this lack of repetition, uh, et, et cetera. And my final question for you, David, is do you think that there are opportunities here for future research, either for you or for others who are working in this area? Yeah, definitely. So in our study, we were able to answer a few questions that brought some insights, but we are, we're left with so many more questions to ask. And we're definitely in a moment right now where community colleges across the country, uh, they're experimenting with alternative ways to, to test students in, and place students. Uh, a lot of states are pushing for the use of multiple measures for placement into courses, which ultimately places students into different tracks. And one thing that we're noticing is that a lot, lots of states are moving away from this prerequisite course-taking model where students are placed as low as five or four levels below college level, and then they have to work their way up. They're, they're moving away from that, and they're going into a co-requisite developmental math model where students, all students or nearly all students are placed at college level, and they're given some kind of support. Th that often is a co-requisite support course, maybe some tutoring, maybe other types of supports. Um, but in this move from prerequisite to co-requisite support, there's still a lot of um, questions related to math tracking that come up. So students are still being grouped. So in some cases, students are being cohorted and all the support students are taking the college course together and they're also taking the support course together. In some cases, students are being commingled. So maybe half of the college course is made up of support students and the other half is not. And I think this is really important because we still know that that peers, um, who else is in your classroom is important for your learning process. And aside from that, we're seeing um, the rise of these tracks. So 
in high school, you like Frederick mentioned, you have AP honors, IB, other sorts of tracks. But in community college, you're seeing STEM tracks or liberal arts mathematics tracks or stats-based mathematics tracks. So a lot of questions come up for us in terms of how are these policies um, influencing or related to students' outcome, especially as, as they relate to being able to complete college level level math early on in, in their community college careers because we know that a student who succeeds uh, in college level math early on in their career will most likely reach their academic goal be that um, transferring or just uh, getting a degree or attaining a certificate. Well it's certainly um, a line of research worth following going forward and uh, your work here again is just incredible. Um, I want to encourage all of our listeners to go and read the full article. Again, it's titled Inside the Math Trap, Chronic Math Tracking from High School to Community College, and it was recently published in Urban Education. Federic No and David Velasquez, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's Research Minutes, presented by the CPRI Knowledge Hub. For more episodes or to subscribe to the series, you can find us at researchminutes.org. To share thoughts on today's episode or to suggest future topics, follow us on Twitter at CPRE Hub. That's C P R E 